0: So on this episode of the iBound podcast, Dusty teaches me about Android operating systems or options for Uh, the most privacy and what he recommends for the uh, trade-off between convenience and privacy I'm not very experienced with uh, Android mobile phones I do own one but I don't use it very much it has almost no applications on it Um, so if you are an Android user and maybe looking to get more privacy this is for you if you're an iOS user and maybe looking to skip right over say a a vendor specific uh, version of Android or a Google Android and want to get right into privacy oriented from your iPhone this is for you other than that we're going to go through some just some behaviors that are worth mentioning so different ways to use applications so ways you can just add more privacy uh, if you are unwilling to switch from say ios or from your google android device you're just not ready to give that up yet no worries we're going to work with some baby steps uh, for you to get through that now this is going to be a bit of a longer episode which we're going to hopefully avoid but it happens Um, so hopefully if you can hang with us um, through this then you will have some information on uh, android operating systems uh, that might be worth it for you or just again some behaviors applications things you can do to add more privacy to your life
1: is it too pleb to talk about like home lab woes for just like two minutes here and then we can talk about important things like totp
0: Absolutely, talk about homeland bulbs.
1: Okay, so I have needed to upgrade the memory in my. So I have one one functioning like main server for the house, and I don't remember if we talked about that last time. But I just have one one unraid server, and I've got like three VMs and like nine or ten containers um, running on it, and then file storage and all that stuff. Well, when I built that machine. I built it with 16 gigs of RAM and it's got like a, a six-core AMD processor and it's been great. But when you're running that much, when running that much stuff on one little machine, 16 gigs of RAM doesn't go very far. And so it has been sitting right. at about like 90, 95 percent memory usage uh, for approximately eight months now, and I just haven't wanted to turn it off. So it's just been sitting there running, not not getting restarted. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, actually it's been almost nine months and I kind of want to go for a year, but I I don't have, like like memory, I've got 32 gigs sitting right on top of it. I just need to like turn it off so I can install it. And I don't want to, Um, that's my only woes, that's it. So for almost nine months, I've been sitting with memory that I need to put in and I just don't feel like turning it off,
0: so. Right, well you said you had, uh, you don't have swap enabled on it either? I I don't have any swap, no. Yeah, oof. Well, Talking about long run times, not exactly proud of this, but I think I hit just under 400 days. I think it was like 396. If I can find the screenshot, I'll share it. I think it was a Windows server machine. Again, not particularly proud of it. It just, it happened to be that way. It was completely remote for me, so it was very difficult to get to. Things don't
1: break until you restart. Yeah. That's when everything, that's when everything breaks.
0: I just don't like the like go for restart fixes things because that's not how computers work in my opinion like if it if that's what fixes your problem then you didn't understand the problem in my my head that's me yeah (laughs) that's that's most of the time don't get me wrong i generally don't understand the problem but like If you have a better understanding how computers work, I feel like it's a mission to me. Like, it's a a challenge if I can figure out the issue without restarting the computer. Mostly because I have 64 gigs of memory in my main rig, and it's basically full all the time because I'm working on so many projects.
1: I can't imagine needing to use that much memory on a desktop.
0: Full to the rim. I have, it's like 80-something gigs with swap, and it's got like 78 used up almost all of the time.
1: That's terrifying.
0: I, I do a lot of... I've been getting much better, though. I really have. Restarting an application will release... Uh, will we'll ask the, the operating system will release all of uh, its committed memory back to the OS. So if you're having problems where you're running out of memory and restarting your computer generally fixes that, you can try just closing all of your applications out on a regular basis because applications will allocate memory and generally not free it back to the OS. Allocators will, are generally greedy and greedy allocator is a term and it will store you know your, that process memory even if it's not being used And it may not be in the working set, so it may not be resident in physical memory. I guess in Linux you typically call it resident memory. And uh, when you close the process, it's forced to be freed because when the process exits, the operating system reclaims the memory. That's just a tip. Close your applications fairly frequently as they'll just accumulate memory and never give it back. So you may not see it if you're a Windows user in just when your task manager... Uh, under memory, you have to look into the committed size and that's where you can see how much memory is actually being used by applications. Again, it may not actually be in physical Ram, but it is being used and not available to other processes. So just close out your apps now and then, and, uh, be better off.
1: so I don't, I haven't really mapped it out, but did you want to cover some of the notes I guess I could make about like trying to like, if you're coming from a useful Android or iOS, uh, phone over to, a more privacy focused device and you're going to use like graphene or calyx os um what's some of like i guess the the main problems you might run into and like maybe why you would choose one one operating system versus another just my take on it or do you want to want to move on to the important stuff like like otp
0: let's forget about hardware i guess then it's probably a lot easier if you forget about the device itself other than you know make sure it's supported for the os's that you want to talk about
1: but for me uh I have tried to go the route of using like two phones. So I'll, for work, I have one phone, and then for personal, I have another phone. I don't I don't have any use for uh, really any accounts. I don't have Google accounts or anything personally. I don't need them. So Google or Microsoft. If you're going to have an iPhone, you have to have an iCloud account. You can't you can't even install apps if you don't have one. But my my problem has always been uh, carrying two phones. As much as I I know the reason why I'd want to. One, it defeats the purpose of carrying two phones, somewhat, if you're always going to carry two phones with you. So if you care about, like, your location privacy more than just the data that's on your device, then it sort of, in my opinion, defeats the purpose of having uh, a privacy-focused operating system on your phone if you're just going to carry another one that tracks you everywhere you go.
0: Another thing maybe is if you have the easier route, like path of least resistance— Right. So like chances are you'll pull your privacy one out to look something up. It'll take a heck of a lot longer because you've got to click buttons, turn scripts on and off and push a bunch of things or it won't work. Or, and then you're just going to go Ugh, and pull out the non-privacy phone, take a look at whatever you need to do or take a picture or upload it just because it's easier or it has the camera, it has the mic.
1: Right. And so the difficulty becomes, well, how committed do you want to be? Um, and everybody's situation is gonna be different. you know if i didn't if I didn't run companies that required me to be available and have uh, access to Google accounts and you know email and messaging and stuff like that, kind of while I'm mobile, then I wouldn't have an issue just using uh, pretty much any alternate operating system. I would have no problem with it. Uh, but being that I do have to have that, and if I want to be able to be somewhat mobile and be able to move around, you know, take phone calls when I drive and message people, you know, when I'm stopping places, like I, I sort of need that access. One of the reasons I would say you wouldn't use Calyx OS is you cannot, you cannot, you don't have any functionality with Micro G, which is the replacement for Google Play services. You don't have access to Google accounts. Um, At least you can sign into a Google account, but you cannot uh, use any Google functionality. You can't use Gmail. You can't use like Google Docs. You can't use like any of the the features you would want from Google.
0: So from the, let's say the generic Android user, I say this because I think it's more likely for your average case Android user to move into something like this over somebody who's on iOS because they probably like it. I found very few people that use iOS where they have any reason. To leave it right there's very few little convincing you can do you know to give that up and and not to talk about Apple because you know we could spend all day talking about what's good for them and what's what's not good for the user and where are you giving up privacy etc so not getting into that from the average uh, Android users case that's probably using Google and you know has a good portion of that in their life because a lot of Google things are like a little bit better. So maps or having YouTube or maybe you use Google Drive or photos, um, maybe you use the gallery, that kind of stuff. And obviously every version of Android that isn't a Google Android is going to be very different too. So we're not going to talk about all of the problems you could have from your phone vendors version of Android, uh, because that we could go on for days. So if I was a generic Android user, or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat concerned about privacy, um, Maybe I use some extensions in my browser, a private browser, and I don't really use my phone a whole lot because I'm kind of nervous of that. What are my options for operating systems or, you know, what's your experience? Is that a better way to ask the question?
1: Well, it pretty much comes down to to three options. You have Graphene OS, Calyx OS, and Lineage OS. Um, Lineage is probably the least user-friendly. The problem with Graphene and Calyx is that they only work on Google devices. You have to have a Pixel phone. You, they're not... There is no uh, availability. They don't build the software for other phones with Lineage OS. Each each phone vendor, each phone model, it requires that someone take on uh, take on the project. So you'll have a like a lead on the builds for that project. And with Lineage, it's all just volunteers, people from the community that want to. With Graphene, it's sort of the same thing. Calyx OS is it's is a nonprofit and they have employees, but Calyx is. Probably the second easiest to, to like convert a Google device into a Calyx phone. They have a nice flashing tool, it's a utility. Basically, a script that's going to run and flash it for you, download their script, download the the operating system, and it will flash it for you. Graphene OS is probably the easiest to flash because they have a web-based flashing tool. You can do it manually if you want to, but they but you can just basically plug your phone in, enable USB debugging um, and OEM unlocking, and then just flash it right from your browser. From
0: the browser? Does it have to be a Chrome browser, It has presumably? to be a Chrome browser, yeah. Figured.
1: And then lineage OS, you have to. Uh, now I've never flashed lineage OS. My understanding is you have to manually uh, like flash each partition. So there is a process you have to go through, and I would say I wouldn't recommend it. Like even even as a non-average user of uh, computers and phones. I've looked at it and I'm like, nah, I don't really feel like it. I'm not gonna bother flashing Lineage. It's more complex than it than what I am interested in.
0: Not to mention you like changing your stuff fairly frequently, so that's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of work. So I've never used Lineage, and I probably wouldn't recommend using Lineage to most people, just unless you're very comfortable tinkering and you're okay with breaking things, because there's a pretty good chance you will.
0: Is there any positive? Uh, so, and, and by that I'm mean, like, is there anything that stands out that makes it worth it?
1: So the only reason you would use Lineage is in my opinion, is if you have a device that you want a non-Google or non-vendor-specific like operating system on, if you want a somewhat controllable operating system that is as open source as it can be and you don't have a Pixel phone. So if you have a tablet or a non-Google phone.
0: And that's a big one for me.
1: Now there are some arguments I suppose out there of why you should just use a Pixel phone if you want to use an alternate operating system. One of them being the ability to like relock the bootloader. You cannot do that on most other devices.
0: Well that's something like maybe like later down the road I might get into because I'd be interested to see how much of a security feature that is compared to like just how many low-level bugs you can get the firmware kernel level stuff that will take over your OS regardless of that lock, right? And be permanent resident.
1: Yeah, and I, I couldn't speak in depth to uh, the hardware side of that. I, I don't know. The, I guess the, the biggest difference between Calyx and Graphene from like a like a high-level overview is if you don't need a google account for anything and you don't want to use any google services for anything and you do want an operating system that at its core is going to be uh, a little more friendly privacy-wise
0: not having google is definitely a big deal so
1: absolutely yeah and i guess you kind of have to acknowledge that 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 is like google is a problem before it right. even makes sense you'd want to swap if you don't like if you don't want google and you don't need google in any way shape or form then i would say you know calyx os on a graph or on a google phone makes a lot of sense the downside is that it doesn't use play services, and, and there's the problems that I mentioned earlier, and so a lot of applications won't work. Not Now, most applications will work, and I've never really found anything that doesn't work very well. Um, except but you also want to have,
0: like, an app store, right? You don't have... You can't just go to the Google App Store, right? You're basically going to do everything from, like, Droid or APKs manually install?
1: Yeah, you can do manually installing APKs. You can use the F Droid store. Um, you can use the Aurora store, which is a basically a forward replacement of Google Play Store. Um, It just basically proxies your requests. And then uh, I guess the the simplest version is the Aurora Store is an application you can download and it comes pre-installed on Calyx OS. And it lets you download uh, applications from the Play Store, either using your your own Google account, if you have one, so you can sign into a Google account that only, all it does is it lets you view applications that you own or you've purchased, or they, the account just lets you download the applications, but you're not like signed in system-wide on your phone. So that, I, I mean, I will sort of advocate that that's still a heck of a lot better than being signed into a Google phone or they give you the ability to just use one of their like their fake IDs so when you initially sign in or turn on the Aurora store uh, it will if you don't sign into a Google account of your own then it will use a one of their own accounts that lots of people will use Lately, though, Google's been cracking down on that, and you pretty much can't, like, they'll rate limit the accounts, and you can't you can't download anything. So, for the most part, you kind of have to sign in. If you want to use applications from the Play Store, you can do that without having the Play Store. You just have to sign into a Google account on the Aurora Store, and then you can download any app you want from, from the Play Store without having the Play Store.
0: And that would probably be only if you wanted like you were still kind of in Google, and so you had like Play Services running, whether it be actual Google Play Services or-
1: Yeah, MicroG G is the replacement for Play That's Services it. so that you can get notifications and, which I appreciate, I mean, if you, let's say you, you all the applications you needed are, are available on, on F-Droid or in APKs, and you don't need to have the Aurora store, um, things like Signal, um, if you wanna use Signal for messaging or if you want notifications for emails, um, if you use like Proton Mail or anything else, you won't get notifications unless you have either Play Services um, or a fake version of Play Services like MicroG that Calyx comes with. Or in the case of Signal, you can download the Signal APK from Signal's website, from Signal.org. And then, if you don't have Play Services or you don't have MicroG as a replacement, you can still get notifications, but you have to like they have a special version. Only in their APK you download, um, where you can run it without that, and but it runs in the background. It, it seriously drains your battery, and so you can uh, you can add like a battery exemption and allow, allow allow the application on Android to run in the background all the time. And a lot of you know a lot of applications will still function, and you'll get notifications when they're individually running, looking for notifications. I guess would be the best way to put it, um, rather than having a unified system like um, Play Services doing that for you. But the more applications you have running that way, if you don't want any play services, the, the worse your battery drain is going to be. And it gets atrocious. So G kind of plays that role. And they have, like, stub features so that a lot of applications that are looking for, um, for some sort of API.
0: And the app has to have support for that, too. Like, I remember learning a little bit about that when I was playing with uh, Notify or NTFY. And they have multiple different versions. And I'm sure this is the case for a lot of these free open source apps. If you get an app, let's say on FDroid, or you download the APK, like say from a GitHub release or something from their website, whatever, they'll have different versions for play services apps and not. And I found that often has to do with, uh, let's say, notifications or like push notifications. And in the case of uh, NTFY, they will use WebSockets or HTTP polling to get that data. Um, versus using uh, Firebase and and Play Services to push the notification to your device.
1: Yeah. Um, so the other the other option is to use something like like Graphene OS. and there are some features of Graphene OS that are really cool. They have what's called storage scopes, and this is basically just using a feature that Android already has that nobody implements. It's a uh, user interface ability to. Uh, to allow access to only certain files or certain photos for an application. So rather than rather than on most Android operating systems, um, being able like having to say you know allow like like if you're using Signal or Messages or whatever, if you, rather than allowing access to all of your pictures, you can say only these select ones or only these select files, and you can do that dynamically as you want to share them. And so, even if you know, even if you intend to use all of the normal features of, of Android, but like, let's say you're going to go ahead and use Facebook anyway, I mean, I would still advocate for using something like Graphene OS, even for the ability to block the use of uh, access to contacts and photos and messages and things like that, um, and only allow what you explicitly want.
0: And for the listeners, like baby steps. Baby right? steps so are important. If that's what it takes, I know for me, it has to be slow and it has to work most of the time. So as long as it, you know, I can get to the end result at some point, um, I mean, that sometimes isn't an answer because they're always moving a lot faster than you are, taking your privacy away, in, in my opinion. But I still think baby steps are better than absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, and that's where I'd say for somebody that is interested in um, moving to, like, making choices uh, intentionally to uh, add some more privacy to your life, it's probably not going to happen overnight. Um, taking steps in the right direction is better than not and I would say that Graphene OS on a pixel phone probably is going to make the most sense for that and one because you do get more features that allow you things like I just mentioned you can same thing there are storage scopes for like even contacts so if you wanted to if you wanted to enable uh, uh, contacts for an application um, you can enable like only like individual contacts you don't have to say allow access to all contacts so that's another thing so photos, files, videos—like any any type of file—but photos, videos, files, and then contacts. Those are all you can pick one by one what you want applications to have access to. The other thing is, um, and I know you—you you, this isn't your world, and so I know you want this to be more technical, but I'm just going to say it as I know it, yeah. which is uh, per application and all applications you have the ability to block network access. So if let's say you wanted to have like a, a keyboard on your phone and you are worried that the keyboard was going to be collecting everything that you did. You can by application block the network access so it cannot it cannot send any sort of telemetry back. So, you can have a little bit more comfort in using an application that you are kind of concerned about that by just not enabling it to communicate with the world. And so I found like I like if I'm using Android, I really like Gboard, like the Google's uh, keyboard. It does great you lose a couple of features if you block network access but you can still use uh, speech to text that works fantastic you can still like use your like spell checker and things like that so we can do text correction but you cannot really disable telemetry Um, even if you you know flip a couple switches it still communicates and it still some sends some of your data back and i would rather be able to just disable that by saying you can't communicate with the world Um, one of the other features of graphene os that's nice is if you're trying to Anything from being as as private as you can be all the way down to with a mobile operating system, I should say, um, all the way down to still like wanting to take baby steps. One of the nice features of the Graphene OS is that you can still use Google Play services, like the actual Google Play services, um, so that like all applications do function correctly. But Google Play services uh, acts. It, it's what they call on a sandbox, but it, 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 runs just as an application. And so it can be removed all any permissions that you want to grant. You can grant, you can disable, you can disallow. And it's not like it's baked into your operating system where you can't disable certain functions.
0: Is it easy to change those permissions? Like whenever I feel like it, like yep. I can just go to settings search and it's as easy
1: as any permissions on any app. So play services, because it's just an application or they, they run it just as an application you would just hold, you know, hold down on the app, uh, wait for the you know menu to come up, um, just like you would for any application where you want to change permissions, and then you can uh, enable and disable anything. Uh, you know, by default, Play Services wants permissions to literally everything. You know, the location and contacts and uh, everything, everything that you could possibly need access to, like it wants, and you don't have to allow any of it, and and Play Services will still function.
0: How much of a pain is that? Because I. Generally, have found that like, okay, sure, you can take the permissions away, but the second you do, the app breaks, or things stop working, or you start losing notifications, or your battery drains, or your camera stops working, or you know what I mean. It's
1: not like there's short of some applications that need like a certain feature, um, like you'll you'll lose usability. So one example would be um, Google Play Services needs access to like your phone, and so like if you want something like let's say autofill to work. Um, if you want to like autofill SMS messages, or you want to be able to allow an application through Play Services to function correctly, where like you click a button and it, and it redirects to your phone um, to make a phone call, some features like that on some applications won't work if it's not allowed in Play Services. But if you by default just don't allow anything, and all you need Play Services to do is is route notifications for you, um, then it will do that without any without any access to uh, anything else that may be what most people need people probably going to want a little bit more than that generally especially if you're kind of on a journey of trying to find some privacy but i guess my my point here is it's not difficult you can dynamically change things whenever you want to Um, you can delete play services completely with the click of a button and um, and you have access to the Play Store if you want it, uh, which is good. And you can still use the Aurora Store if you'd rather use that. You can still use F-Droid if you want to use that. So I would say it's a good, uh, Graphene is a good place to start because you can you can do everything you're doing now and then slowly remove things from your life as, you, as you're okay with it or find replacements.
0: And I think I can wrap that, but I first want to say that, like I, I just thought of an even babier step, is that if you're just on stock Android, even just using something like F-Droid or probably Aurora, I haven't used it. Uh, Using applications that don't rely on Google services, and then you can start isolating those permissions as fast and as often as possible uh, in your stock Android, lots of things will break. But those apps that you get generally from F-Droid, I'm not sure if that's a requirement or not, but usually have Google Play services disabled. Like, it's not – they don't rely on it. It's not a library that's part of the application. And that's at all. the
1: same thing with, with any operating system, even on computers, is rather than jumping headfirst into something and then finding out uh, that you don't like it or there's something that doesn't work the way you need it to or you haven't found an application that will replace something that you're used to um, – Always start by trying. Just add add a new application that's more privacy focused and see if it will do what you need it to do. Like, you know, if you're if you're worried if you want to get away from like Microsoft Word um, or Google Docs, then look at something like you know LibreOffice or OnlyOffice um, and try replacing that application with with Libre or Only uh, Office first. And then once you're comfortable using that every day, then remove you know Microsoft and, and Google from your life.
0: Even beyond that, you can whatever you can do in a browser, in my opinion, start moving that way too because browsers have significantly more isolation in a lot of ways. Yes, they have some vulnerabilities, but that's a lot. It's a really easy way to start removing those extra things. Yeah. So like JavaScript, if JavaScript is a big deal, maybe start with an extension that starts turning off job, JavaScript for you in certain websites. You can manually turn it back on. Something like No. Script you can get that for Firefox on Android right now, or using something like Brave browser. Um, those are those don't have as granular options. Like in Brave, it's kind of just all JavaScript or not. Point is, if you start moving toward browser-oriented uh, workloads, right, then you can isolate that even further to just using a browser, having a tab open, whatever it may be. You can obviously, of course, if you create a tab, you can create a, a link on your uh, desktop or. What are you gonna call it? your your tray app tray? I guess, and uh, you can open that website up just by clicking a button, right? So moving to the browser, I think for as much as you can without losing that little bit of convenience, again, baby steps toward that um, also makes your desktop life a little bit easier too if you're just used to doing that kind of stuff in a browser. So yeah,
1: yeah, keeping things browser based is a great idea. Just reducing the applications you use um, is a fantastic idea, you know, and and, and it's it's pretty functional too so like um like i like twitter i don't want to install twitter on my phone but i can i twitter is a great web app so i can sign in twitter on my browser i can pin that website uh with an application icon um to my uh to my dock on my phone and then i can open it and use it and it's it functions nearly as well as using the application does
0: and you generally have more control i can't speak for everything but i mean in add-ons Um, You need to be careful with those two, but you can work toward, right, turning off JavaScript or isolating cookies or third-party cookies. You can start working toward even more isolation in a browser if you're worried about that. And what I would also argue is your your bigger applications more than likely have great web experiences or good enough web experiences because they want to capture as many people as possible. They're going to want to force you on the app, right, every time you go to Reddit on mobile, Right, it, it checks everything, sees if you're on mobile, and then says, "Hey, install the app, or you can't view anything." Right, and that's a pain in the butt. You can work around that, of course, too, but they will generally have good working uh, websites, and you just may have to get a little bit used to it. So, I would probably advise moving to that as, as often as you can for, let's say, your bigger applications, say, say Facebook or Twitter, um, even Snapchat. Now, that's a bit of a pain. <laughs> But you can do it. Uh, they force you to, like, view Snapchat pictures on your mobile device only, and you can only be signed in on one device at a time, which is, again, annoying. But um, moving away from, you know, the mobile device uh, where they can track so many more things than they can in your browser.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and don't, don't fall prey to the, uh, the idea that when, when iOS asks you, like, hey, do you want to allow do you want to ask this app to not track you? Um, don't believe that when you say, yeah, don't track me, that they're just not going to track you. That isn't how this works. And because the understanding of what tracking means is uh, is very wild. I can tell you this. Um, my in my my job in my companies, one of the things we do obviously is advertising. And um, as a a privacy advocate myself, um, I am amazed at what you can do to track people like legally. Um, it's scary and it's terrifying how well you can identify people. Um, and, uh, and I'm not even like, like we just use other people's tools. You know, we're not, we're not the ones building the tools where we can track people.
0: And it's also mostly web-based too. That's yeah. Yep. So, If I were to wrap up a little bit on the operating systems here, would you say in terms of, you know, dipping your toes in the water to, you know, deep sea diving would be from, say, uh, I believe you mentioned Graphene and then Calyx, and maybe Lineage? I don't know. Those are maybe somewhat equal, but from difficulty or from least private to most private?
1: I don't know that I could really recommend using anything other than Graphene OS. If you're going to use a Pixel phone. And that's it's not that I don't appreciate what the other ones are, um, but you don't have nearly the same functionality that you do with Graphene. And the ability to choose how much do you want to remove and how much do you want to add. And it can basically do any of it. I would say Graphene OS makes the most sense if you want to take a step towards changing your operating system.
0: So I have, uh, so, so after all this, I have my, my bare bones Android, and I'm just kind of wanting to step into more privacy-oriented stuff. After everything we talked about, browser accounts, all of that stuff, uh, are there any app recommendations or basic things to do um, like that I can do right now with very little friction?
1: Yeah. What I would start with is if you like messaging, um, I would try to get away from, uh, from like WhatsApp and other messaging apps, and I would consider using Signal. And uh, for, like, let's say, and this goes for desktop and phones, um, look at using something like, like OnlyOffice is a really good replacement for for Microsoft, for, you know, PowerPoint and Excel and Word uh, or Google Docs or Google Sheets.
0: I like uh, LibreOffice, which seems like you've told me that's a bit more hardcore than only office right well it
1: uses by default its its main function is using open document formats like ODP and yeah. ODT and stuff um, and that's great I mean I don't mind using I don't mind using LibreOffice um, but it's really not like the open document format is not that compatible with Microsoft's especially nowadays um, I would highly recommend using only Office instead of LibreOffice to avoid breaking changes. So another thing, rather than using Google, let's say Google Keep uh, or your iCloud notes, um, if you're going to follow the recommendation, don't sign into iCloud. Um, You can use uh, uh, standard notes I found I I really like. It gives you um, a lot of features that are nice. Um, Sometimes the features are annoying. Sometimes when you're you're like, oh, look at all these features, they're great. Um, They can like almost get in the way of just like taking a note. Um, which can be frustrating. Standard notes I found does do a pretty good job of staying out of your way and just letting you take notes. But if you want them, there's lots more features. So that would be another replacement. And then I would highly recommend looking at trying to migrate away from your Yahoo or Google or Microsoft emails and looking at um, using something like ProtonMail instead for email.
0: So all of those are really big things we could probably spend a whole lot to talk on. And I I think I want to talk about Signal a lot in the future. Just like, there's a lot of social aspects to it too so it's not just as simple as like just get the app and start using it right it's like you got to get your friends on it you got to move people around and you know there's some trust things there's some compatibility issues there's a lot going on with signal but one thing i can say while we're on signal is that if you have a stock android right google photos is on your phone and i think it's pretty difficult to remove unless you open up debugger and and remove it like how we did but um If you have it, it's doing scanning of every image on your phone and it's reporting that to Google. It's a requirement. I don't know if it's a legal thing or whatnot, but they will scan everything you have, send it to the cloud for um, CSAM and a bunch of other stuff they they check for. And as long as you have pictures on your phone, it's scanning them and reporting them. I've gotten away from storing photos on my phone entirely. So I don't use the camera, the built-in camera app. I do not store images on my phone. Right. And that's probably a lot for some people because you have a camera and you like to use it to take pictures of things. Maybe your, your dog or your cat or, you know, something funny is happening. You want to capture that. You can do that in signal through the camera app. Now, I can't speak to what steps in between could catch you up. That's not exactly the point is that hopefully the file never is sitting around on your phone long enough for photos to scan it. Right. So you can do two things. Remove photos if you want to go through the application debugger that way um, and manually do that. We're not going to cover that here. Or you can simply not have photos on your phone, which I highly recommend most people do. And so, in Signal, it has a nice, handy little feature called Note to Self. So you take pictures in the app, send it to your phone, or send it to yourself, right? Note to Self, and then you can download it from your computer, save it, and then the picture never touched your phone. Uh,
1: note to Self is actually a really nice feature, anyway. And uh, in in almost every case, I need like a very quick. I need to send my. I need to save something as a note. Um, I actually find myself using Signal for that instead of using a notes app. So it's like the fastest way to send yourself something you want to keep, even if it's just text. Um, and because Signal is cross-device, and you can you can sync your uh, your computer and your phone, um, you don't like it's it's like the fastest method, method for using one application to uh, to transfer either your photos, like you said, or or even just text. It's a very handy feature.
0: So uh, point of the show here, going to talk about uh, make some recommendations that aren't recommendations about apps that we use and use them until either we find a vulnerability or something that's just really off, whether it be like the company or the community and, you know, then we scrap it, move on. So keep all that kind of stuff in mind. Always remember, you know, safety, security, privacy when you're looking at an application or downloading it. So don't take our recommendations as, uh, you know, set in stone or, or, you know, that that's exactly what you should do for yourself. So The app that I want to recommend today uh, is Obsidian, and there's a whole thing on it. Honestly, I learned about it from Level 1 Techs. Wendell did a a very awesome video of more than just what the app is and how to use it. It was, why do we have this problem uh, where it's difficult for us to keep track of things we know and want to learn and make it easy to just take very structured notes and just keep history of things uh, as tech people. So Obsidian is a markdown editor that uh, is very, very uh, intuitive just by default, and it's all file-based. So you can have it installed on any system uh, that can access, let's say, a file share if you have it running on a file server like I do. As long as you have Obsidian pointed to the directory where you store all of your Obsidian files, it'll work uh, wherever you're at. Now, you will have to maybe, say, close it, refresh it if you move between it. There's a bunch of other, say, online sync things you can do with it, but just as far as having a very good-looking markdown editor, instead of using, say, Word or some other document platform, right? You can just use standard markdown files, use amazing markdown syntax, very easy to read, very easy to edit. It's all in line, and I've been using it, and we're using it right now.
1: You could spend a lot of time learning about what you can do with with Obsidian. I love it. Um, Now, for my application, uh, I'm going to recommend Tailscale. So if we're talking about, hey, let's put your Obsidian uh, files somewhere where you can reach them. Uh, I use Tailscale for that, so I just have a file share um, on my home server. I have another, you know, other one for work, and I have a couple of different places, but mainly I use one on, and my on a file share at home. And Tailscale makes it uh, fantastic for um, for reaching that file share from anywhere on any device. So um, Tailscale is basically just a it's a mesh VPN where um, each of your devices um, are going to communicate or be able to connect to each other over WireGuard, and then you have a nice admin interface where um, like, initially keys will be shared, and then you can connect to any device you want to over a VPN without having to communicate everything over a VPN, only device-to-device
0: connections. So uh, maybe we could do another episode on on even just TailScale or VPNs that, just that fall into that category, because I have a heck of a lot to say about TailScale, and it's had fantastic support from the community, but I have definitely some some concerns with it and how people might use it so one of my favorite things listening to podcasts and such is that i get to learn new things and so i definitely recommend writing stuff down as we say it if if you hear names or apps or things that we talk about write it down but in this section be explicit so my recommendation is going to be the one percent rule by tommy baker if you feel like you're stuck uh, in somewhere, I mean, that's where I felt like I was stuck somewhere in your ability to, to do something, to make something of yourself, to just to work on something. It's baby step procedure, right? 1% rule, moving the needle by 1% is sort of the biggest thing. So that's about all I'm going to say about that. But it's something that, uh, I maybe consider taking a look at, you know, you might just like it. I think it's probably more for like entrepreneurial mindsets. So
1: yeah, my recommendation would be, uh, extreme ownership, uh, it's written by uh, Jocko Willing and Leif Babin. They were Navy SEALs. I found that when you can get context for something that you would not not typically notice in your life, um, it's great when you can read a book that, that, that gives you the ability to notice uh, problems you wouldn't have noticed before. And I would say Extreme Ownership is a fantastic book. Um, I really enjoyed it. And after reading it, despite having a Uh, what I always have felt like is a pretty good cue to what my life looks like and how I treat people Um, I've definitely had some scenarios that I I got to audit what I was saying and what I was doing so Extreme Ownership by uh, Jocko Willink and uh, Leif Babin would be my book recommendation this time
0: another big thanks to everybody that made it to the end of the second episode here number two if you want to contact us, support us, talk about anything that we got wrong, things that we got right, maybe some other topics that you'd like us to talk about in the future, or maybe learn about, bring you some more information, get in contact with us. You can go to my website to get my contact information. That would be vonnugent.com. The easiest way to do that is just go to the description of this podcast episode and click on the link should bring you there. My homepage has contact info or shoot me an email vnpublic@proton.me. There will be no major schedule to these episodes, just whenever we either get good content and have the time to record it. These episodes take a heck of a long time to cut down. Uh, this previous one was entirely unscheduled or unplanned, that went off the rails completely, went into like an hour and a half, something like that. So I cut all the best bits out for you. Hopefully, you can make some relevancy out of them and we can bring you some information to your life. Uh, so you can help make some changes to become more private, more secure. The idea is to give you more actionable things, things you can actually do uh, to help you be more secure and more private uh, with your online internet tech life, etc. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.